Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, that's where we're going to look at it. We'll start there this morning. This Sunday is a special day. It's the day we celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ. We call it Easter. We remember what Jesus has done for us, that he died on the cross to pay for our sin, and then he rose again to conquer death. This is really the good news message. It's called the gospel. The Easter story helps us to remember what Christ has done. In fact, I think about this. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He paid for the sins of mankind and death has been conquered. So as we meet together this morning, it's going to be a great time as we think about the death and the resurrection of our Savior. Many of you, especially if you're a little older, you remember a guy by the name of Paul Harvey. Now, for you younger, you might not remember him, but Paul Harvey was a guy that would come on, and he had two radio shows. He had one; he was a newsman, and, and uh, they would have news and commentary with Paul Harvey in the morning, and in the afternoons, he would have a show, and it was called The Rest of the Story. And what he would do is he would start, and he would start talking about an event or a person, and you wouldn't know who it was, and he would go through, and he'd talk about the life and events, and then at the very end, it, it would do something, and you'd go, oh, that's who he was talking about. And then Paul Hardy would say, now you know the rest of the story. When we think about the story of our Savior Jesus, a lot of times people say something like this. They say, you know, Jesus came to the earth and he died on the cross to pay for our sin. And whoever believes in him has eternal life. And And that's right, but that's not the whole story. In fact, you need the rest of the story. In fact, if you don't have the rest of the story, really the story doesn't work. Because the rest of the story is this. Jesus Christ came to the earth, died on the cross to pay for sin, and rose again on the third day to conquer death and gives the gift of eternal life to all who believe. We must tell that Jesus died and rose again. That is the message. The message, the rest of the story is not just that he died, but that he rose again. And we need to realize the importance of the resurrection. And much we do as a Christian, we do based on resurrection. Think about it. We meet together every Sunday, and we meet together Sunday because Sunday is the day that Jesus rose from the grave. We talked about it in our grow groups this morning before the church service, and we said that when you go back to the Bible, to the Jewish calendar, the Jewish way of doing things, they were the God beginning at the very beginning with Adam and Eve basically said you'll work six days and rest on the seventh. The first day of the week is Sunday. Last day of the week is Saturday. They would work for six days and rest on the Sabbath day. Sabbath day is Saturday. But because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the first day of the week, we as Christians began to worship, as we see through the history of the church, began to worship on the first day of the week. Jesus Christ rose from the grave on the first day of the week. The songs we sang this morning all deal with the risen Savior. We don't sing to a dead martyr. We sing to a living Savior. We have the hope of eternal life. Job, even in the Old Testament, said, I know that one day in my flesh I will see my Redeemer. This morning, as we think about Easter, as we think about the resurrection of Christ, I want to do three different things real quickly. We're going to look at this, the message, what I call the good news message, and then we're going to see the rest of the story, which is the importance of the resurrection, and then we'll finish up with our response. What difference does it make in our lives? So let's start first with the message, the message which is the gospel, the good news. God has a message, and when people say the gospel, the word gospel is eangelion in the Greek, which means good news. We get the word evangelize from it. It means a good news message. We think of the great message in John three sixteen. It is God so loved the world, that's us, that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus. He gave him to die on the cross to pay for sin and rise again to conquer death. The verse goes on to say that whosoever, anyone who would believe in him 
would never perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes has eternal life. Isn't this the greatest message of all? It's not your works. It's not your goodness. It's not trying to be good. It's not trying to clean up your act through your life and say, oh, I've got to quit doing this. I'm going to try to be a better person. Listen, you can't be a better person. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And God's great news message, his good news message is that Jesus died for you, paid for your sins, rose again to conquer death, and he gives us the gift of eternal life simply by faith. This is great, and it's called the gospel. And by the way, in 1 Corinthians 15, we find that gospel message. Look with me if you're in 1 Corinthians 15. Look at very, the very first verse. He says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel. And this is the good news message. Look down at verse 3, because if you look at this, here's the gospel message. For I deliver to you a first importance, which I also received. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 3, that Christ did what? Christ died for our sins, according to Scripture. And he was buried. And then what? He was raised on the third day, according to the Scripture. This is the, the gospel. This is the good news message, that Jesus Christ died and rose again. And the great truth is, whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Some people say, what do I, what do I, what's the problem? Well, the problem is we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we need a Savior, and, and we're all dead in trespasses and sins, and Jesus Christ came and died in our place. And in 2 Corinthians 5.21, he died, God commended his love toward us that while we were sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. And so the gospel is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again, and whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. That's the response. The good news, Jesus died and rose again, paying for our sins and and conquering death. And the, the response is to believe in him. It is that simple. Uh, a lot of you have heard messages, some of you, all of your life, that are very unclear. Walk down an aisle, give your life to Jesus, get baptized, re- repent of this, co- confess this, do it. The Bible says over and over, over 160 places just in the New Testament, the Bible says it's faith in Christ for eternal life. We believe in him to give us eternal life. That is the good news message. Is that what Jesus taught? Did Jesus teach that he would die and rise again and whoever believed in him would have eternal life? In Luke chapter 18, I want to read something to you. You don't have to turn there, but just listen to this. This is in Luke chapter 18. This is verse 31 through 33. Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem, and here's what he says to his guys. He said, then he took the 12 aside, and he said to them, behold, we're going to Jerusalem. All the things which are written in the prophets about the Son of Man will be accomplished. He will, then Son of Man is talking about himself. He says, he will be handed over to the Gentiles. He will be mocked. He will be mistreated. He will be spit upon. After they have scourged him, they will kill him. That's his death. And three days later, he will rise again. That is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to read to you also the verses that we read earlier this morning. And I want you to think about something. Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And then three days later, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to die to pay for the sin of mankind. I'm going to rise to conquer death so that anyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life. You know what he did? He came into Jerusalem. If you remember, he got outside the city. He told him to go get a donkey that nobody had ever ridden. That was a cult of a donkey. That fulfilled Zechariah 
chapter 9, verse 9, it actually said when the king of Israel would come into Jerusalem, he would come in, come in riding on a colt of a donkey. Jesus gets the donkey, rides in. They're all cheering and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna means save us, by the way. When you said Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, save us in the highest. He's the king. He's the Messiah. He comes into Jerusalem. He cleanses the temple because people got, they're just doing all kinds of things in there. And he turns over the tables and runs everybody out. And in the middle of that week, uh, he's, he, they get together, basically, and he has right toward the end on the, what they call the 14th day of the first month, which was Passover, he got with his men, he had that meal, he washed their feet, he told them he was going to die. They didn't grasp it, they didn't understand it. They went out to the garden, he prayed in the garden, the guys were there, and suddenly Judas comes with a crowd, with a crowd of, of, of some Roman soldiers, but temple guards. See, there were, there were Jewish people at the temple who were called guards. They guarded the temple. They come to arrest Jesus. And Judas comes, I mentioned this earlier this morning in our grow group, that when they came up to get Jesus, all the guys are there, and Jesus is there, and Jesus steps out and says, who are you looking for? And somebody says, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says these words, I am. That's all he said. I am is the name of God, by the way. In the Old Testament, when Moses said to God at the burning bush, who do I tell him sent me? God said, tell him I am. I am who I am. Tell him I am sent you. I am is the name of God. And when Jesus stepped out and they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, he said, I am. The Bible says that they went back, took steps back, and put their faces to the ground. That's the power of the great I am. He let them arrest him. He let them try him six times. Three times by the Jews, found guilty every time. Three times by the Romans, found not, not guilty every time. And when the crowd was in a big uproar, Pilate finally said, uh, okay, I'll turn him over to you. You can crucify him. And they took him out to a hill. It was called Golgotha, which is, means skull. That's Hebrew for skull. Cranium is Greek for skull. And they took him out to this hill that looked like a skull. And he was crucified between two one of those on the cross said, Lord, don't forget me. I know who you are. And he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. And the crowd shouted at him, and some of the religious leaders came by. And they said, if you're the son of God, <laughs> if you are, why don't you come down off the cross and just show us who you are? And Jesus couldn't come down off the cross because he's dying for us. And if he came down off the cross, he wouldn't pay for our sins. So he stayed on the cross to pay for our sins, and they killed him. And he gave up his life. And the soldiers watched him die, and the, you know, the earthquake and everything. And one of the Roman soldiers says, this man indeed was the son of God. They took him down off the cross, and a guy by the name of Joseph of Arimathea and a guy named Nicodemus who had come to Jesus at night in John chapter 3, they took the body, anointed the body, and put it in a tomb. And they rolled a stone, like a big record. It was a big, big stone, and they rolled a stone in front of the thing. And the reason they rolled the stone in front of the thing was so the animals wouldn't get to the bodies at night. And what they plan to do is, oh, wait three to four days, and then you go back in there, and you anoint the body, and you anoint the body until it's nothing but bones. And then when it's finally bones, they put it in what they call ossuaries, which were bone boxes. They put entire families in bone boxes. And so the plan was that Jesus is dead. All the things they hoped kind of failed. And so what we're going to do is go out three to four days from now, and then another three or four days, and eventually it'll just be bones, and we'll put it in a box, and we'll say... He was such a good man. But they went out that morning, and the stone had already been rolled away. And they went, who in the world has rolled the stone away? 
And they walked in, and he wasn't there. Let me read to you in Luke chapter 24. It says this, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. These are the women. These women had watched where they buried Jesus. They watched where Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus had taken the body and put it there. And see, the next day was going to be a Sabbath day, which because it was the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It's always a rest day. And so they said, since tomorrow is a Sabbath day, let's just rest. Let's wait a couple of days. Wait till maybe like first day of the week. And then what we'll do is we'll go out there and we'll anoint the body and start the process. And so on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, at early dawn, it's really early, they come to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. You can imagine they went, who because they had been talking on the way, and they said, I wonder who's going to move the stone for us. I mean, nobody's going to be out there. Maybe there were a couple of Roman soldiers that was really guarding the thing, so nobody would steal the body. And they thought, maybe those guys will help us because the stone's going to be big. But when they got there, the stone was already rolled away. And when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. I mean, they went in. And, and by the way, we, I've seen tombs in Israel that we don't know if it's the right tomb. There's a place called a garden tomb, and some people think it might be the tomb of Jesus. Nobody knows, but when you go in, it's sort of like a cave, and as you go into the cave, there are these, these flat areas in which they would lay the bodies until they're completely bones, and then they buy, have boxes, and they keep the boxes in the caves. And so they went into the cave, I'm sure they went into the cave, and they looked around, and they went, is, is he's not there. And then look what happened. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. We know who these men are. They're angels. Two angels appear. And, and, and one of the gospels says one appeared at where the head had been and one appeared where the feet had been. And they were perplexed about this. And, and these angels stood there. And the women were terrified because angels are such powerful beings. Anytime an angel appears to people in the Scripture, they're always afraid. If an angel appeared right here, right now, we would all be going, oh, my gracious, we'd be getting away. They're so powerful. And the women were terrified, and their faces were bowed to the ground. And these men said to them, why are you seeking the living one among the dead? They basically think, why, why would you look for Jesus? This is where dead people are. He's not dead. He's not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you when he was in Galilee? You remember what he said to you? That the Son of Man would be delivered to the hands of sinful men and crucified, and on the third day rise again? Remember we read back at, read back at Luke 18, where Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'll be handed over, I'll be beaten, I'll be put to death, and then three days later I'll rise again? They said, didn't you remember what he said? And they remembered his words. And what did they do? They went from the tomb, and they reported these things to the eleven and to all the rest. And you remember it was so amazing. They went running back, and they said, he's alive. And they went, what are you talking about? They said, we, thought, we saw angels. The angels told us he's alive. His body wasn't there or anything. And they went, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're talking about. And Peter and John ran. And John's much younger. John ran faster than Peter. And when John got to the cave, he, he didn't go in. Peter got there, and Peter said, excuse me, I'm going in. And he went in, and he looked around, and they saw nothing except the cloth that Jesus had been wrapped in. And even the head part, they take a head part and they wrap it so the mouth doesn't fall open. That was over by the side. And then John came in and they went, wow. Wow. Woohoo. And then when they came running back and they told everybody, they said, we don't know. We don't know. But, but it looks like he's alive. And I always think of the two guys on the road to Emmaus. They're walking. 
and suddenly Jesus joins them. But he fixes it where they don't know who he is. They're part of the, they're part of the guys. They've been, they've been up there. They've heard the rumor. They heard that the women already went out to the tomb and nobody was there. And Peter and John went out there and, and his body wasn't there. And they're going to Emmaus, which is about six miles from Jerusalem. And they're walking there and they're talking about this. And they're saying, I don't know what to think about all this. And then Jesus comes and Jesus said, what are y'all talking about? And they said, you know, we're talking about what just happened here. And Jesus said, what are you talking about? And they said, are you not from around here? You don't know what happened? He said, oh, I don't know what happened. They said, we thought Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah and the king, and they, and they put him to death, and it's been three days, and the people went out to the tomb, and the body wasn't there. We don't even know what to think about that. And Jesus said, you guys are slow. You know what I mean? You're slow. And that's what he told them. And he said, he stopped, and they, he taught them from the Old Testament all about the Messiah and how he would die and rise again. And then they got to the place and they said, where are you going? He said, I'm just keeping on going. They said, why don't you eat with us? And he said, okay, I'll eat with you. And as he broke the bread, I think they saw the places. And they realized who it was and he disappeared. And they said, wow, that was him. Our hearts burned when he taught us the scripture. And so they went running back and they said, guess what? And Peter said, guess what? I saw him. And some others said, we saw him. And then he appeared there. Why is it so important? Jesus gave up his life to pay for our sins. He was crucified. It is important that we declare the death and the resurrection. It is important that Jesus rose from the grave. And let me put it this way. and I'm going to go through this very, very quickly just because of time. The rest of the story. Why is it so important that Jesus rose from the grave? If you're in 1 Corinthians 15, just stay right there because I want you to see something. I'm going to go very quickly through this. And, and I just want you to see how important it is. First of all, if Jesus didn't rise, if there is no resurrection, Christ is a martyr. He is not God, and he is not the Savior. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 13, if there is no resurrection of the dead, even Christ has not been raised. Let me tell you, if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the grave, he's dead, and there's nothing He's a martyr. He's a liar. It's not true. Listen, if there's no resurrection, our faith is void. It's worthless. It's void of content. In fact, in verse 14, he says, and if Christ didn't been raised from the dead, our preaching's in vain. Your faith is in vain. In other words, what you're believing is worthless. When people said Jesus died and rose again, if he didn't rise again, what you're believing is worthless because it's not true. The third thing is if there's no resurrection, we're false witnesses. 1 Corinthians 15, 15 says, Moreover, we're found to be false witnesses if we testify that God raised Christ from the dead if he didn't rise. If you and I go out from this room and we say Jesus died on the cross and paid for sin and rose again, and if he didn't rise from the grave, we're liars. We've got, we're false witnesses. We're not telling the truth because it's not true if he didn't rise from the dead. It's so powerful. You realize he did? Do you realize that Peter saw him? And all the guys saw him, and Thomas saw him a little bit later, and then over 500 people saw him at one time. That was in that 40-day time period. Here's a big one. If there's no resurrection, we're still in our sins. There has been no payment. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless, you are still in your sins. If Jesus died on the cross and didn't rise from the grave, the payment didn't count because he's not who he said he was. 
He's got to be the spotless, eternal Son of God to die and pay for sin and rise again. And just about anybody can claim to be God, and anybody could have gotten crucified in those days. But his resurrection from the dead showed that our sins are paid for. Let me tell you, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, we're all sinners, and the wages of sin is what? Death and his separation, and nobody goes to heaven. And if there's no resurrection, there's no hope. There is no hope. In 1518, he says this, Those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished, and we who have hoped in Christ are of all people most pitied. We have nothing. Listen, it's sad. Jesus Christ, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave, he's a martyr. Our faith is vain. We're false witnesses. There's no payment. Death is the end if Christ didn't rise. We have nothing if Christ didn't rise from the grave. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For by a man came death, that's Adam. By a man came the resurrection of the dead, that's Jesus. For as in Adam all die, but in Christ all are made alive. He is alive. This morning, you want to be thanking God that Jesus Christ is what? He's alive. Let me tell you why. Because his resurrection, then he isn't a martyr. He is the living Savior. Romans chapter 1, verse 4, he is declared to be the Son of God by the resurrection of the dead. Because of his resurrection, our faith is not in vain. What we believe counts. It is by grace. We are saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. It's the gift of God. It is not of works, lest anyone should boast. Jesus Christ's death and resurrection counts, and what we believe counts. Because of his resurrection from the dead, we're not false witnesses. We're not telling lies. We are ambassadors for Christ. When we go out these doors, we're telling the greatest truth of all time. We live in a world that nobody has truth. We've got the truth of Jesus Christ. His word is truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We go out these doors with the greatest message of all as ambassadors for Christ. Because of the resurrection of the dead, of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, our sin is paid for. You don't want to pay for sin. Wages of sin is what? It's death. You don't want to pay for sin. Jesus is the satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. First Peter 1.18, we're redeemed, purchased by the blood of the Lamb. First Peter 3.18, Christ died for us, the just for the unjust. Jesus died to pay for our sins. He is the satisfactory payment not for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, sin is paid for. And last but not least, because of the resurrection, we have the hope of eternal life. And by the way, in the Bible, when the Bible uses the word hope, it's the Greek word elpis, which actually means an eager anticipation of the future. It's not like, I hope I get to go, because we don't know or not. The Greek word hope means, I know it, I'm eagerly anticipating it. We have eternal life. You know why? Death. There, we have victory over death. Let me read these verses, because we sang them earlier today. Oh, death, where is your sting? Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? We have victory. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Every one of us in this room, through Jesus Christ and in him alone, we have eternal life. We have victory over sin and death. I want you to see something. The rest of the story makes a difference. If there's no resurrection, Jesus is a martyr. Our faith is vain. We're all liars. There's no payment for sin, and death is the end. But because of resurrection, Jesus Christ is the living Savior. Our faith counts. We are true witnesses. Our sins are paid for, and death is conquered. You should all be clapping right now. We should be clapping. Should we clap? Look at this. Woo! What's our response? What difference does it make in our lives? We need to proclaim Jesus Christ as the living Savior. He died to pay for sin. He rose to conquer death. He gives the gift of eternal life to all who believe. We're not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. When we go out these doors, we tell them that Jesus is the living Savior. He is the Savior of the world, and whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. Second Timothy 2.8, remember Jesus Christ risen from the dead a descendant of David, according to my good news message. We get to tell people. We have to be faithful to proclaim the message. Look at this right here. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord of me. This is Paul writing to Timothy, his prisoner. Join with me, Paul says, join with me in suffering for the good news message according to the power of God. We cannot be ashamed of this message. We must go out into this community in a world that doesn't believe what we believe, that has no truth, has no uh, real authority or values. We can go out with the greatest message of all. And there are many people out there, they're just waiting to hear this message. And when they get it, they'll say, why hadn't somebody ever told me this before? We get to tell them. It's clear. It's grace. Don't add a bunch of works to it. It's faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life. He died and rose again. Died to pay for sin, rose again to conquer death. Whoever believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. Finally, the second thing, let every Sunday be Resurrection Day. Every time we come together on Sunday mornings, think about it. Sometimes we forget it. Sometimes we don't remember why we come together on the first day of the week. Because our Savior rose from the grave on the first day of the week. We get to gather together with believers. And, and a lot of songs, a lot of times we sing every week songs about the death and the resurrection of our Savior. Don't take it for granted. We're not just coming together to meet. We're coming together to worship the living Savior Jesus Christ, raise our voices in praise and adoration for the one who died and rose again, paying for sin and conquering death. May we proclaim the risen Savior in our community and in our world.